Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, welcome to episode 23 of the Telegraph podcast, While We Sing Together. I'm delighted to be joined by a special guest, a former Sky Blues midfielder and history maker, Klaus Jorgensen. Hi, Klaus. Hi, Andy. I'll make it 52 league appearances, six goals, um, including a very special one in the first ever game at the Rico Arena, a 3-0 win over QPR, but we'll come to that a little bit later. First of all, um, talk about your early years, your, um, you know, sort of leaving school and growing up in, in Denmark, and how did you move to England come about? Right, um, yeah, so I, I grew up on a, on, a, on a farm in the rural area of Denmark, and um, just playing grassroots football with the, the local team um, and then moving o- over to bigger teams. It's slightly different over there than it is here. Uh, in Denmark, people, you, sorry, in England, you you can set up a team and then it can fold in next year and then uh, some other dad will, will set up another team. And But over there, it's more like that. there's always a club and if there's enough players for two teams, they play in that club. So... Um, so when I was progressing and getting better, I just went to the neighbour town and asked if I could join them, and, and that's how my football sort of developed. Um, and uh, when I yeah got older, I was I was I was studying and um, playing part time for AC Horsens, who was uh, in the second tier <clears throat> of Danish football. I, I ended up writing to. Uh, to English clubs for a trial, so I think I went through all the League One and League Two clubs. Um, well, my brother-in-law he was acting as my agent. Uh, we were helping each other. He was from a sales background, so mm. he was just ploughing through all the all the um, all the clubs. And uh, eventually, we got a uh, a trial with AFC Bournemouth, and I came over and I played a. So I played a reserve match, and if I played well, the agreement was I could train with the, the first team, uh, and then I had to go back for Christmas. Anyway, that's that's what we could. But then they'd seen enough, and they they were happy to to sign me then. But it's it's a bit of a long story. It's an interesting one, but it's because uh, we had to go to the we had to go to uh, the library to go on the internet to print out all the stats, all the details for the clubs in right. the lower divisions and. And um, it was a real process of going through. So that would be, I think Sam Allardyce, he was at Notts County. Uh, Kevin Keegan, he was at Fulham. Um, and, you know, David Moyes at Preston. So there's all these managers we were contacting to try and speak to. And, and yeah, just persistent paid off in the end. Yeah. Who was the manager of Bournemouth at the time? Mel Machen. So ex-Man City manager, mm-hmm. actually. I think he was Man City manager when they beat United 5-1 um, a few years earlier. But um, yeah, so Mel Machen, he was um, he was the one that um, they gave me my first contract. And you know, you said you were part time. I mean, according to your Wikipedia page, you can tell me if this is uh, correct or not. But it claims that you were uh, you worked as a roofer and a, in a window factory at, at some point. Is that true? 
Yeah, so uh, so when I was doing what is equivalent, I suppose, to college, um, it's called gymnasium over there. Mm-hmm. That's what prepares you for uh, university. Um, I would have summer jobs which were um, uh, were roofing or window factory. I worked in um, uh, what is it? In, well, in meat packaging, not quite an abattoir, but meat yeah. meat packaging. I was loading lorries and. Uh, um, and I was well straight after the gymnasium. I had a year uh, in uh, doing national service, right. um, so um, so obviously football took a back seat for for a year. But yeah, all sorts of different. And that was doing all the sort of military training. Yeah, military training. Uh, my role, I was a um, reconnaissance soldier. Um, so we were we were the ones that have a once the uh, enemy has. Uh, has has seen you they you're the ones with the shortest lifespan <laughs> <laughs> so you're behind enemy lines and finding out where the opposition uh, positions are mm-hmm. and um uh, yeah so that was um that was really interesting as well but uh yeah football like i say we had to sort of take a back seat for a year but yeah so very varied um background and then i went to union but do you think that I mean we see this a lot I mean like your good friend Andy Morrell you know because they, they sort of come up the hard way do you think when you do get a chance you know you know what it's like to, to work hard doing everyday jobs if you like and then when you get that sort of um, that, that opportunity to be a footballer which is you know a dream job isn't it let's be fair um, then do you think you're even more hungrier and, and you know and determined to, to succeed I think um, I think yes uh, that's not to say that if you are growing up in the system that you're not hungry and you're yeah. not resilient and all these things I just think there's a lot of players in the football system that are, are not really that hungry from the beginning and uh, and and some get found out when when you know you got to fight for places and how you react when you are out of form or injured and or life is just a bit unfair to you. Mm. So, but I was always like I say I was I was never scouted for for anything. So, because I lived in the rural area and it's, you know that's not the same focus on football. Well, there's more fo- fo- focus now than there was then. So there was not really any scouts yeah. out finding you. So I but I wanted it. So mm. I was always. Ringing up the bigger clubs, can I come and bit, bit like came to England? Can I come on trial and <clears throat> um, and and so so by doing that, you you and you never get used to someone looking after you. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's um, mm-hmm. quite a big thing, isn't it? To to not only leave home but to leave your country and go to a different country. I mean, I know it's not a million miles away, but it's still a big thing as a young as a young lad, isn't it? To to do that. Yeah. I mean, I say young. Uh, so I was 23 when I eventually came to Bournemouth, and, and you know, when you go to a new country, things you are, but you get stressed, and you, you know, there's a lot of new things you got to cope with and deal with, um, and um, and I often thought, you know, you hear about the players like from Denmark that go to Ajax or wherever at 16, and I was different setup at Ajax than it was at Bournemouth but still you're away from family mm-hmm. and uh, and I just wonder how how strong mentally they have to be because it's still testing you at 23 it's yeah. testing you at whatever age yeah. 
but um, that certainly, yeah, it's, it's certainly impressive when you can handle that as a young player. And you went down in the history books at uh, Bournemouth, didn't you? Didn't you score the last goal at Dean Court? Um, yeah, we, I can't remember who we played against. I think it was Northampton, actually. I might be wrong. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the stadium was being demolished and turned 90 degrees. So the pitch was going the opposite, uh, the, uh, yeah, 90 degree different way. Um, yeah, it had a, it, it, I caught inside on my right foot and I was going to whack it in the far corner and it took a massive deflection then and went in the opposite corner so but I had not I'd gone a few uh, well f- some games and months without a goal that was bogging me a little bit but it was good to get one but um, yeah it was uh, it was a good season that was we we, we just missed out on the playoffs on yeah. the last day but it was um, yeah but who's a thought in, a, in one career that you could have you know go down in the history books at two clubs for scoring goals you know at uh, the end of one stadium and the beginning of another. But uh, anyway, you moved to Bradford, um, and then uh, how did the move to Cobbles come about? Because I, I seem to recall, I mean, I was around at the time, I think, was it Gary McAllister was the manager at the time? Yeah. And did you come on, you played a couple of trial games, or...? Yes, I did. Um, I'd done reasonably well for for Bradford, um, but nothing had, I hadn't found a new club and and then it, it was into we were into August, and um, or yeah late July I think it signed just beginning of August. So uh, Coventry had showed an interest um, a while earlier, and um, uh, but then yeah I was asked if I could go on trial, and I think I played. Can't remember which game I played first. I think we played Wolves at Highfield Road, and then we played Mansfield. It was those two. I can't remember which order it was, but it was those two games, and I, I got a half in Mansfield, and I played, uh, yeah, played longer in the Wolves match, which um, which ended up, yeah, was being good enough, and uh, and I signed shortly after. Yeah, and I mean, I think I remember talking to you um, after the Mansfield game, just sort of grabbing you and sort of saying, "Oh, what's the situation?" It was rain. I mean, I'm sure it was really peeing down that day. But, um, Apparently you were also wanted by Norwich and Burnley, was that right? Um, that I think Burnley was more concrete. I, I don't think there was any. I don't know if what the the Norwich, um, if that was ever something really serious. That that would have been interesting because uh, I already uh, when when I played there, you know, it's just always been a great place to go and play, and it being one city. In, in an area, I, that always appealed. But I don't think there was anything serious in it. Um, Burnley was a little bit more serious, but uh, but then obviously Coventry that was um, and McAllister that was. Then I really I know, paid it. yeah, it was definitely yeah. And of course you, <laughs> it's difficult to believe that because right? I mean Doyle just keeps going forever. But you played with a young Michael Doyle at the time, didn't you? That's right. Uh, we, he was in the team. We, yeah, he'd uh, arrived uh, just a few weeks before me, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he came out of Celtic. That's it, yeah. And he'd been to Denmark as well, playing in this in at the same club that I was um, before Horsens in Denmark. So he um, he uh, yeah he was he was very very hungry, very fit, 
Um, still is. <laughs> he still is fit, yeah. I think he's a bit more economical with it now, more clever, but he's, yeah, he's, um, he's done really well and, and stayed reasonably in, injury-free. What was he like back in, I mean, you say he was hungry and all that sort of stuff, but <clears throat> I mean, we know that he, uh, on the training pitch, you know, he's the captain now and, um, you know, he doesn't suffer slackers. Um, he demands yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, high um, expectations from from all the players, even on the training field. Was he was he like that back then? Oh, we had loads of arguments. We had fights, and <laughs> me and him as well. But, yeah. no, uh, no, we were very similar in the sense of, you know, wanting to work hard and energy and uh, you know working without the ball actually we we enjoyed both of us and and he's someone who um, who can really drive the team um he has a he has a big influence and um even then as a young player and and that earned him respect sometimes he he went overboard with it but um he always knew that if if you are on his team, you know he would want you to work hard and not be sloppy with it. Even if when you had the ball, don't be sloppy with anything. Mm. And that's that's the right attitude. But even then, at that age, I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely, he's... definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he he's you know as he's got got older, he's uh, well. When I was with him at Coventry, he, he learns how to communicate a little bit better probably because uh, you, you do get things wrong now and again yeah. but um, but there's no coincidence why he's been captain in different places because he just leads the line yeah. and you say you had fights you mean just no, arguments <laughs> you don't mean fights yeah we had a bit a few <laughs> scuffles no, and probably just handbags but yeah um, but that happened that happens but it? doesn't that happen on every training ground I think I think I've had one at every club I've been at, probably. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it's yeah, it happens. It's nothing. There was nothing serious going on. No, no, and and um, it's just one of those things. And he, um, he, you enjoy playing with you know the likes of Deli Adebayo. I know you're still good friends with Gary McSheffrey at the time. Uh, Andy Morrell as well. He was a good friend of yours, isn't he? Um, I mean, it was it was a good good group of players then, wasn't it? Good championship side, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was. Um, it was a little bit of a shame. It never really settled at my time at Coventry. The first eighteen months, there was four different managers. Um, so players, you know, they weren't really sure what their role was and mm. were they staying or going. Um, but yeah, in terms of the players' ability, yeah, Gary McSheffrey, who um, who had a fantastic time when I was at Coventry. He was he was almost on his way out, and then um, I don't know if it was I don't know who was I think he was on a, almost going to Luton for fifty grand or something, and they sort of brought him back in the fold, and he just he just blossomed. He was a, he's a Coventry kid, yeah. so he just wanted to do well for Coventry, um, and yeah, he was he was a great player. He was I think I can't remember if he scored something like seventeen goals from midfield. In one season, but he was, um, yeah, he certainly pushed us towards the playoffs one season. Yeah, yeah. So come on, take, take this. We've got to go back to that first game at the Rico Arena. Let's just set the background because you've been on pre-season tour in Ibiza of all places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, I, to this day, I just do not know why. Why they would even think about doing that? I mean, the, the potential for trouble with fans and all the rest of it. <laughs> 
you know, in a holiday island like that, San Antonio, I think it was, wasn't it? Whatever it was called. Um, anyway, so you played QPR in the final of this mini tournament, and yeah. it didn't go down very well, did it? Because they beat beat you in this, in this game. Yes. Uh, so um, we've beaten them two 0 in this. So uh, we played Huddersfield. It was like supposed to be two semi-finals and then a final. So you, we played Huddersfield, I think, in the semi-final, beat them. QPR won their semi-final, and we uh, we played against QPR in the final. Um, we two 0 up, I think. <coughs> then um, there's some trouble in the stands, you know, because obviously there's there's a lot of. Obviously, a lot of fans uh, at, in Ibiza at this moment to to follow their team, and um, the game stops and and um, trying to calm everyone down, and it went it went fine until Ian Holloway got hold of the microphone. Well, he was he was trying to calm it down, and then and then he was saying something like, "Yeah, you know, we've got to be calm." Well, then it doesn't help that all the security is battering our fans across the head with a with a, a stick. And that got the fans riled again, you know. Yeah, you. Anyway, it was quite funny. Um, when we started again, they I think it was two 0 to us, but they ended up winning three two. Ended up beating us, and they were running around as if they won the FA Cup. Um, and that got us a bit annoyed. Um, I've since found out that because I played with some of their players, I since found out that it was because he if they if they beat us. Ian Holloway had let them have a night out, <laughs> so that was the whole reason. It was not to rub it in our face, but um, but that's how you interpreted it. Yeah, it? yeah, it was definitely yeah. yeah. So that's what we probably remembered for the first game at the Rico. So this build-up to that game, I mean, twenty-three thousand crowd, good atmosphere, fantastic facilities. You know, I mean, you must have sort of gone in there and seen the, the changing rooms, which were amazing, weren't they? Um, and uh, it must have been all set up just for a, a fantastic result. It had to be, didn't it? That was the script. Well, yeah. Um, it was, I mean, the ground was, um, there was a lot of memories at Highfield Road and, and there's something you can't replace there. Mm. But as a modern football stadium, it doesn't come much better than the Rico at, at the time. So um, we, we trained there. It, the first game had been... Had been re- the first game there had had to be pushed back because of um, or re- rearranged because of the security wasn't um, hasn't been signed off. Yeah. So um, so we uh, but we trained there and you just the feel of the whole place. It was just amazing. And then on the day, we um, it was a nice sunny day and all the expectations, the build up mm-hmm. um, was was certainly helping the team towards a, a great performance. Yeah. And the sort of the talk amongst the players. <coughs> obviously, you you brought up the QPR thing in Ibiza. Was that sort of was that enough for the team talk? Was that the lads were sort of winding each other up and, and sort of saying, "Look, we're going to stick it to these um, guys." It was mentioned, but um, but not overly focused on um, until I think I think Doyle started a little scuffle in the in the in the tunnel, which got everyone fired up, and it was probably well, one of their players. <laughs> Yeah, I think he was just stirring up some trouble, and uh, and uh, and well, that... Michael Dawn. <laughs> so um, so that that's that got started before the game kicked off. Was that when you just sort of lining up waiting to go out? Yeah, there was a few things being said, and and um, yeah, furniture rearranged. <laughs> no, it was um, it and it, it sort of set the tone because 
because I think was it three 0 in the first half? Even? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, we were just really up for it, and um, uh, <clears throat> and and their sort of behaviour in the pre-season was uh, was also a factor, uh, even though that we now know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So come on, then talk us through it. Eleven minutes in, ten ten and a half minutes, eleven minutes in. Talk us through this uh, this goal. Pretty special, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so. So I play centre midfield, I think, with Michael Doyle, actually. <clears throat> um, and I'm allowed to run forward a little bit more. He, he's sort of covering. Are we covering each other? But I think it's a counter-attack, and it could be Marcus Hall who's kicking the ball forward to to um, James Scowcroft, sort of holding it, off, uh, holding it up uh, down the left-hand side. And it's rolled back to Gary McSheffrey. Uh who for once put a first-time cross in and not wanted to go and get the goal himself. <laughs> no, he put a fantastic ball in and I just made a late run in between the centre-backs um, and I just get in before... Well, the goalkeeper, he's just completely mistimed it. He's gone out to collect it and realised he's wrong. And then it's I don't actually sort of see the ball. Well, I, I do see it, but it's, it's just your body just runs and then I realise I need to jump for this to get it and I just jump and then when it's sort of I, so I jump and it hits my head <laughs> well I hit it um, and I can just see the ball going in and that's the best moment when you are because you're the only one in the whole crowd yeah. you know before anyone else this is going in that yeah. little split second is just <laughs> great feeling um, and then I, yeah I, I sort of laughing because in my head I thought it should, why should that be me getting this goal because <laughs> You know, it should be someone like Gary McSheffrey. So you knew at the time, you sort of, you know, you were sort of aware, aware, you were thinking, the first thing you thought is, crikey, I've scored the first goal, rather than, I've just scored a brilliant goal. Yeah, I do. <clears throat> yeah, I, yeah, it, it was more to it. Yeah, I knew it obviously being the first goal, but also for me, because I, I was not in the team in the previous week, I was, I was on the bench. Right. Um, and I only started that game because uh, Stephen Hughes had uh, got a red card at Burnley. I came on and did did well, and mm. then I started. So, so there was a lot of things, and the previous season I wasn't even sure if I was going to get a new contract. So mm. there's a lot of these doubts, and now I end up having a, a get, being given a chance and then mm. scoring. It's a little bit funny, you know. You know was, <laughs> and did the lads talk about it before the game? Did they think, oh, who's going to get the first goal? Or, you know, or did no. Sheffers or Dealey sort of saying, oh, I want to get the first goal in no. history? No, no, it was never mentioned. No, yeah. it wasn't. I'm sure it was in everyone's mind right. uh, of the attackers. But once you once you play, you uh, you just want you want to win. You just want to win. Yeah, I, I think I think all the other lads they were just happy we scored. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it was um, it was a it was a it was a great moment. Yeah, because like I say, I wasn't expected to be there. Mm. Was it one of the best goals you've ever scored? Uh, no, no, it's not. No, it was. Um, it was pretty special, wasn't it? it was yeah, it was. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it, it was. No, it was. It was a great goal. But um, no, I've scored some some better ones, I'd say, for for other clubs, but <laughs> not remembered as well as this one. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what would be your sort of trademark goal? Sort of a, you know, a lovely hit goal from outside the box, top uh, corner sort of thing. If that was a trademark goal, yeah, that could. No, I, I've I've scored a few where I've struck the ball really well. But my, what I always wanted to do as a central midfielder was to get in 
and have at least one chance per game. Mm-hmm. You know, you, but get in as a as a late run into the box um, where you run off your own. You you run away from the other midfielder, yeah. you know, who's going to mark you, who's switched off and watching the ball. And then you're off, the ball's gone wide, and then you're off in the box just to finding out uh, where the chances are, yeah. are are coming. So I had a few ricochets as well, you know, and they're bobbling in. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, really capitalising on other people switching off and where chances are going to happen. Yeah. But, um, but Big Dilly, um, he got two, didn't he, that day? So it was 3 0 up half time. Then Danny Shitu, big centre half, he got sent off second half, didn't he? And it was game over, wasn't it, half time? Yeah. What, yeah. Did, what did Mickey Adams say to you at half time? Can't remember. I can't remember. I, I, I suppose he would just uh, he'd say, well done, and do do our jobs, and then uh, try and react to, to what they're doing. If mm. they're, I mean, being 3 0 down, you expect a reaction from them. Mm. Um, but I don't think they they were not able to do anything. I don't think he needed to say much either, yeah. um, because we we handled it quite well, and then we were all over him. And then in the second half, like you say, they got a man sent off, and and after that, we've just seen the game out. Mm-hmm. What uh, and did you say anything to the players afterwards, or did you, did you not have to to the opposition? Were any words exchanged? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. One of their players got he got substituted. And uh, and uh, Doyle again, he was he, he let him know that he didn't had a didn't have a good game, uh, and uh, and the player sort of reacted, said something like, "Oh, well, I've been ill all week," and we were just cracking up at the time. But it, yeah, no, there was uh, no. We apart from that, there was not anything uh, anything said. Nothing needed to be said, really. No, no. And what was Mickey Adams like as a manager to work for? Mickey Adams, he was uh, he was a very very hard working man, you know. Um, I remember when he came in, I wasn't uh, I wasn't in the team really with under Peter Reid. Um, I've been a bit injured as well, but I noticed straight away. Obviously, manager comes in, he needs to have a look at all the players, but he he went to a lot of reserve matches, he, he, even away games, you know, with the reserves which I was playing in, and straight away. I thought, okay, he's he's looking at all possibilities here. <laughs> Maybe he didn't have a budget to bring anyone in, but um, he was a very hard-working man. Um, bit black or white, you know. There was no, not really any middle ground. He was a bit of an angry one as well. Mm. But uh, I got I got on with him well. He was, you know, I never had any problem with him. Um, so, but so, but if you had your own agenda, he would quickly. You know, mm-hmm. suss you out. Um, it was the football was a little bit more direct and physical. Uh, I didn't, I didn't mind that, um, but I wasn't maybe. I was maybe a little bit on the small side of one of his players, uh, mm-hmm. so I had to really do what I could, do what I could so to to get in the team. But now I got on with him well. I know, uh, you know, <laughs> he's got a. Sort of brash way about him sometimes, mm. but um, bit old school. Isn't it? I mean, not every yeah, bit, bit, no, no, bit, bit, bit old school. Um, uh, yeah, no, he, he, not all people got on with him, but I can't say that I didn't. You know, yeah. there, there, there's things that you think, well, could he do? You know, but the, if he had a go at someone, it was usually because because he really felt there was something, mm. you know, 
wrong and uh, then you can just then you can discuss whether it's it was the right thing mm. right way to go about things but yeah. with me there was never a problem and Peter Reed, I mean I know he was only there for a short time but he seemed like um, everybody sort of uh, everybody's sort of favourite manager in a way because he was he was that type of character he was certainly like that with the press and it was like you know I love working with him I know he'll go down, go down as one of the in terms of the fans, one of the worst managers they've ever had and all that sort of stuff, but um, a great character and a great bloke to work with. I mean, I guess he was like that with the players, was he? Yeah, that was, uh, he, would, he was funny, you know, so funny, and it's important to have bubbly characters at a football club, and, and um, he, was, he would always have a story, and it was great to hear because that, I remember we were at one, I don't know if it was, um, uh, international break and we we were all at Warwick Racecourse and um, all the players and, and we went there for the day and afterwards we were just sitting around I think we were literally sitting around in a circle all the players and him and uh, Adrian Heath Inchy they were telling stories from Everton and from mm. England and it was so funny Shane Mc, uh, McDonough as well they were they were, so, they, they were real characters and um and you just loved it. Say, say you're after a training session mm-hmm. and you, you're stretching off and you're sitting there, you're all a bit tired and, and he walks around and, and tells little stories. It, it was great. It was, it was really, it was really fun. Um, and I was really looking forward to him coming in, but I wasn't really featuring that much mm-hmm. under him. I got injured and it was sort of, yeah. So yeah, obviously it didn't work out for him in the end. And it was a difficult time as well because obviously... Eric Black had been sacked to bring in, you know, a, a big high-profile player in Peter and um, manager in Peter Reed, um, but things seemed to be picking up with Eric, and you know the, the team were playing well. Um, you, know, you think he was playing with that diamond, wasn't he, at the time? With Bjarni Gudjansson was in there scoring goals and creating things, the typical yeah. diamond and stuff like that. And that was a big thing. I mean, the fans obviously were really upset when he was sacked when they were doing really well. Yeah. Um, when Eric took over, I was I went on loan to Bournemouth, uh, or a little bit after he took over, I went on loan to Bournemouth, and um, yeah, looking from a from afar, it looked like Coventry they were well they were doing well, and um, I think uh, you know you they probably replaced him. I'm guessing they uh, they replaced Eric because well that decision was taken probably I don't know. I don't know, but it looks like it would have been taken a while before he actually got the sack, yeah. because um, you know, results-wise, why why would you not uh, yeah. keep him? And and then Archie Knox is a very experienced number two, you know. Uh, so you just wonder what went on. I I, I actually don't know, but um, the you know, I, it was before the last game of the season. I think Peter Reid took over the last game of the yeah. season. I think maybe some questions had been asked about Eric's position, and uh, they, then he left. But yeah, it's a bit ruthless. Uh, at well, I think it's been well documented that uh, the chairman at the time, Mark McGinnity, had uh, been um, had chats with um, um, uh, with with people in the media, um, uh, Richard Keys, and been recommended that uh, they get a high-profile yeah. manager and that sort of stuff. So I think that's how that came about. But uh, yeah. Okay. So, well, anyway, let's move to um, uh, who's the best player you played with and played against in your career? Would you say? 
Um, yeah, it's, I, you know, you get asked these uh, a question like that often, and then sometimes you feel that it's a little bit. Uh, I've played with some good players um, at, at various stages of their career. Um, so when I was at Bournemouth, we had players on loan from from bigger clubs, and but the best ones probably. Jermaine Defoe, who came to Bournemouth, I think he played one senior game for West Ham. Um, could have been against Walsall in a cup, and um, and he uh, he came down to us. And I remember first day in training, we played you know played some little games, and he he scored goal. He scored all everything he touched just went in. And you know when you have a worldie in training, you say, oh yeah, this is this is. This is brilliant, but you also know it's not going to carry on. Next day, he scored again. He scored, just scored, and you know we're, we're who's this? And he was only he was only seven. I don't. He just turned eighteen. He just kept scoring. And with you come down to earth, but um, he just kept scoring. And in the uh, in his first ten games, ten league games, he scored in every single game, and not just little scruffy ones amazing goals where he was running through defences where he was going round the keeper scoring from angles where he chipped the goalkeeper and proper lobbed the keeper yeah. it was all sorts of goals and um, and it obviously hit the news who's this player and uh, every time because he was on seven games in a row oh, has, has anyone ever scored in eight games in a row oh, that could be a record so he scored the eighth and then if he scores again it's a record he scored the ninth Oh no, it's not a record. You got to score. So he was under a little bit of pressure, and we all wanted him to score. And uh, he scored ten in a row in the end, and that we thought was a record. But someone digged out someone else. Oh, right. But uh, but when you think of it, in his first, and if you if you think about the game uh, he played before with with West Ham, his first eleven games. Um, but it, it was amazing that he, he scored so many goals. Just a player. That's what he did. Get him in and around the box, mm. and he'll work out the rest for himself. When when he hit the ball, though, he never he never missed the target, or very rarely. Mm. And and I was noticing one of his the way he was striking the ball. If you're gonna really hit it hard, you run up to it a certain way. But he was managing to run up to it as if he was gonna place it, and then just hit it hard around, you know, from his right to left, and. And I see this, those kind of finishes now that he does, and I remember exactly the ones he did when when I played with him. And um, but he says so he's really refined uh, with his technique. So great player. But there's been other players. So there have been. What about at Coventry? At Coventry, um, I, I will say Max Sheffrey. He was uh, he was on fire really before he got sold to Birmingham, and I think it was something like 15, 17 goals he scored from midfield yeah. in one. Uh, in one season unbelievable he just got the goals again and again um, and then um, Dennis Wise he had a fantastic impact when he came here biggest impact for me was he, he took my place <laughs> no, but he was he was amazing I was a little bit um, uh, in and out with with injury and, and he came in and, and made sure that I was not playing centre when I came on I came on in uh, on the on the right midfield but he had loads of energy as a 38, 39 year old. Not so much in training, but in games, he was just, he covered ground and um, he had his game knowledge. 
about how to still wind people up, but also how to be really effective and, mm. and, and contributing with attacking play. Mm. Was so. he good in the dressing room as well? Yeah, he was. Uh, he was very, you know, very charming, relaxed, and smiling. And uh, um, but, but it's one of them you you never really know. Is he kind you know, is he? <laughs> you feel that he can, he can really get into you if you, uh, you know, if you're not on your game, but. Mm. Um, no, he had a fantastic impact, uh, and a lot of it was probably that as well, rubbing off on his teammates. Because yeah. the last they know, right, well, I want to impress this guy. Who was won things with Chelsea, and um, yeah, so he, he's up there amongst the best. Probably, probably more on his career, when you look at his career. Mm. Uh, although he, he had a great spell. Yeah. What about players he played against? Because I mean, obviously. You- you were an international with um, the Faroe Islands as well, and you must have played against some uh, some big teams, big countries. Yeah, the um, I think the third game we played was against France. Um, uh, well, let me just think. That was the, the that was one campaign. I'm just thinking. That, well, the best player for France anyway I played against was uh, was Zidane. He had he had uh, retired. Um, so, um, so obviously that's, that was going to be the end of him. But then, uh, then when we played them, just or we're going to play them, that he came out of retirement. Him and uh, Claude Makélélé, I believe, they came out of retirement for the same game. Um, <laughs> and when I read the news, I was well. One thing is you're going to play France with Vieira, Thierry Henry, Lilian Thuram, all these, all these players, Viltord, um and then you just add Zidane into the mix. And whoa, that was um, that was something else. So yeah, it, lining up in the tunnel there because obviously they're fantastic. But they're also huge. They're massive, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and uh, it was Where fantastic. Was it, was it, it, it was in France. That one was in uh, Lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he was he was playing. I, I was playing sort of on the left side of midfield. He was playing for there. Well, he played wherever he wanted, really, but mainly on their left. So I did not get into well, get much close to him. But he was just gliding. He was fantastic to watch, although he didn't have to get out of second gear. He was the way he was moving around. He's, he he had great balance. He could run with the ball, change direction. The ball would be on his right foot, then on his left foot. But he wouldn't change his stride pattern. Mm. Um, he was just it was great. But um, um, yeah, no. We, we didn't uh, get. We lost three nil in that game, so that was still. It wasn't. It wasn't too bad for us, but um, no. Some 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 experiences that was. Something to tell the children. Something to tell your Oscar. Who's yeah. Playing it has been said many times. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> does I mean? Does he get what you did? I mean, does he does he understand how how big a career you had? You know, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, you know, you made it to the top, didn't you? Well, it, uh, my kids, they watch, uh, so they watch the football, um, well, he certainly does, uh, so they see the Premier League, and and if he, when he gets old and really realise his dad was actually not in, uh, you know, with the Man Cities and all that, then he might realise that his dad is not such a big hero after all, <laughs> but uh, no, they, so I've got, so I've got two daughters and, and, a, and a son, they have all played football, my second daughter, she's... She's only had a year of it, but I thought it was good to get that yeah. year of team spirit and, and yeah. that in. So, for the two others, they still persevere. 
Yeah. And young Oscar, he plays for the Sky Blues Academy, doesn't he? So hopefully one day we might see him at the Rico. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll <laughs> chip up the old block. Yeah, there's a, a, many years before that is ever going to happen. But um, yeah, it's, football is a great game, and the main thing is that we we all enjoy playing it. Yeah. You got sent off when you were at Coventry. Was that the one and only red card you ever got? Uh, no, I got um, <clears throat> I got a few others. Um, on f- mainly for arguing with the ref. I was going to say because you weren't a dirty player, were you? Any no, um, no, and I, I, I sort of, yeah, I get very fired up, you know, yeah. and uh, and can be a bit argumentative. So uh, and that that caused a lot of sort of second yellows. That, the the red card I got for for Coventry was actually it was really harsh. I felt, but um, the referee he 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 hadn't had a great game, and I think I was just. The last straw uh, appealed for penalty that we didn't get again. I think Crystal Palace. Oh, I'll tell you actually. Last four one. Didn't yeah, and I tell you that Martin, my brother-in-law, who had helped me with all the making mm. phone calls, the originally gave me to Bournemouth. He, um, my sister um, and Martin, they came over for for that game, <laughs> and I started on the bench. So they were not only did I not start when I came on. They were they were looking well. They'd looked away, and then they looked back on the pitch, and I was walking off. And then what's happened there? <laughs> and then the, the other friends, I think he's been sent off. So I'd only been on the pitch for about nine minutes, so I, I, <laughs> and then I got sent off. Oh, no. so we went out for a meal, and I, I was terrible. I had, to, I had to pay for the meal because it was. Uh, <laughs> no, I was so embarrassed because if I had really gone done something really bad, then. You could sort of accept it, but on this one, I thought the referee he was he was very harsh because mm. it was straight red for saying that's an, a penalty. So, yeah, that's Alan Wiley, I, I will never forget him. <laughs> <laughs> Klaus, thanks very much. It's been brilliant. Thank you very much for your time. Um, really enjoyed your company, and um, and wish you all the best.